You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. This episode is brought to you by Palo Alto Networks, the leader in cybersecurity. As AI-driven attacks increase, organizations can't afford to have network security that's stuck in the past. Discover how Palo Alto Networks can help you predict what's coming and proactively secure against it with a zero-trust, AI-powered network security platform built to secure whatever, whenever, wherever. To learn more, visit paloaltonetworks.com slash network security platform. When it comes to ensuring your company has top-notch security practices, things can get complicated and time-consuming fast. Now you can assess risk, secure the trust of your customers, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more with a single platform, Vanta. Vanta's leading trust management platform helps you continuously monitor compliance alongside reporting and tracking risk. Plus, save time by completing security questionnaires with Vanta AI. Learn why thousands of global companies use Vanta to automate evidence collection, unify risk management, and streamline security reviews. Watch Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot cyber. Dragos and ESET bring clarity and bad news to investigation of December 2016's Ukrainian power grid hack. Qatar and its neighbors try to sort out hack-induced diplomatic troubles. Double-switch social media malware hijacks dissidents' accounts. CertLock impedes removal of unwanted programs by security software. MacSpy and MacRansom appear as malware-as-a-service offerings. AMT vulnerability is exploited in the wild. And China arrests 22 for trading in stolen iOS user data. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Monday, June 19th, 2017. Bouncers have their place, right? That is, it's good to have some way of ejecting bad behaviors without calling down the full weight and majesty of the law, right? So too with adware. You'd like to keep it out or kick it out quickly, but the Android bouncers standing at the door of the Google Play Store seem to be having trouble lately, and that trouble seems to be passed on with interest to Android users. Google's struggle is with adware infestations in the Play Store. Over the past week, the UK-based security firm Sophos identified 47 adware-infected apps that together have been downloaded more than 6 million times. The ads Sophos are studying were particularly irritating because they continue to appear even after users take action that ought to have caused the apps to quit. The pop-ups are triggered from a third-party library, AppMarsDayA, Another security company, Trend Micro, is tracking a different third-party ad library, Xavier, which holds about 800 apps. Google has booted a few more than 70 of them, but most continue to sit on the Play Store unmolested by the bouncer. Xavier escapes detection and ejection by going quiet when it detects sandboxing or emulation. So, dodgy apps, at best unwanted, at worst malicious, continue to trouble Google's Play Store. 
Ars Technica calls it an uphill battle. HelpNet Security calls it whack-a-mole. There's a lot on offer in the Play Store, and all things being equal, maybe a lot is better than a little, but experts advise exercising some discretion. If you're an Android user, what should you do? Well, first of all, don't download apps from third-party stores. As we've seen, just because an app appears in Google's Play Store is no guarantee that it's clean, but still, your odds are better if you stay there. Second, if it's a free app that displays pop-ups, think twice before you download it. And finally, of course, do look closely at the permissions you're asked to give an app. The fewer privileges, the better, especially if it's unclear why the app would need what it's asking for. Last week ended with another intelligence service linking WannaCry to the North Korean government. On Friday, the BBC reported that the United Kingdom's GCHQ said, yes, the ransomware does indeed come from the DPRK, and it's connected with the Lazarus Group. North Korea is unusual in that its intelligence services tend to self-fund through cybercrime. GCHQ's National Cybersecurity Center hasn't discussed the evidence that leads it to that conclusion, but most observers believe that evidence probably lies in overlaps with earlier code. Both BAE Systems and SecureWorks have told the BBC and The Guardian, respectively, that the Telltale Code is a module that goes by Bramble, which has appeared in earlier Lazarus Group capers. Some researchers expect to see another worm-borne attack in the wild. The technique may be attractive to others who've witnessed WannaCry's surprisingly quick havoc. WannaCry itself may be undergoing adaptation to fresh campaigns. It appears that WannaCry was released prematurely, leaked carelessly, perhaps by mistake, as its developers failed to contain it, left its Bitcoin wallets poorly crafted, and kept an exposed kill switch. This carelessness strikes some as evidence the North Koreans weren't behind the incident after all. Security firm Cyber Reason has an op-ed in SC Magazine that argues the DPRK is better than that, more careful. But mistakes happen, even in the most careful organizations and recorded future cautions against concluding that this sort of carelessness is evidence that the threat actors behind WannaCry are just stumblebums. If they indeed are, as most evidence suggests, North Korean government hackers, they've simply got a risk-reward calculus that leads them to a more indiscriminate style of operation. News media in India harumph and point with concern to what they regard as their government's downplaying of the scope of WannaCry infestations in that country. Researcher Chris Vickery reports finding 198 million U.S. voter records exposed in an unsecured Amazon S3 account. The data, which have since been secured, were left exposed by Deep Root Analytics, a political big data consulting firm that has worked for the most part on behalf of the U.S. Republican Party. While many enterprises have been seeing security advantages in moving to the cloud, there are risks too, as this and the recent exposure by a contractor of sensitive National Geospatial Agency information indicate. The NGA data was also left out on an S3 service. It's perhaps worth noting that failure to secure data properly is a failure on the part of the user, not on the part of Amazon. Britain's National Cybersecurity Centre declares the UK's recent elections to have been free of Russian influence, specifically that there were no signs of fraud, no outright manipulation of results. Some observers think the Russians just weren't interested. As one expert, Thomas Ridd of King's College London put it, he's quoted in US News & World Report, if the Russian aim in the election meddling is to serve as a chaos agent, quote, it's already chaotic enough here. There's no need for Russian meddling in the UK. Basically, it's messed up enough on its own, end quote.
That's one way of looking at it. It's hard to tell from our perch on the other side of the Atlantic, but it would seem unwise to grow blasé about the matter. U.S. investigations haven't withdrawn their teeth from the various inquiries into Russian influence operations, and NATO's front line in the Baltic states remains on alert. Two hackers have received jail time. One was motivated by revenge, the other apparently by the lulls. The revenge hacker is Adam Flanagan of Bala Synod, that's the Bala Synod in Pennsylvania, not the one in Wales, who was sentenced to a year and a day in the joint after pleading guilty to two counts of unauthorized access to a protected computer that recklessly caused damage. Fired from his job with a company that makes water meter readers, he hacked his former employee's network and disabled the meters. He was arrested last November. The other case is that of a British gentleman, one Daniel Devereux, who will be a guest of Her Majesty's government for 32 weeks as a reward for hacking websites belonging to the Norfolk and Norwich University Hospital and Norwich International Airport. That's the Norwich in East Anglia, not the one in Vermont. Mr. Devereux was caught after posting videos of his hacking prowess online. He says his victims blew off his warnings that their sites were insecure, and he wanted to make a point about the importance of security. The effects of his hacking weren't negligible. The airport says it lost the equivalent of $47,000 in the incident. Mr. Devereux, who goes by the nom du hack of his royal gingerness, is said to suffer from mental health issues. At the time of his sentencing, he was already in custody for another unrelated offense. Hey everybody, want to take a few minutes here and talk about our sponsor, Splunk. You know, you need to keep operations humming around the clock, but potential disruptions are everywhere. Splunk helps you predict problems and find and fix issues fast so you can reduce risk and ditch downtime. The world's largest enterprises rely on Splunk's unified security and observability platform to become more efficient, resilient, and innovative. With Splunk, you can react quickly, evolve faster, and be ready for anything. Stay ahead of disruptions. Learn more at splunk.com slash resilience. In the complex world of enterprise identity, securing legacy web apps at scale can be daunting. Strata Identity makes it simple. With Strata, you can effortlessly integrate non-standard apps with any identity service, like MFA or SSO, with zero coding and zero hassle. Designed by identity architects for identity architects, Strata works with every vendor, standard, and app architecture. This means your apps can now speak modern protocols and integrate seamlessly with your chosen identity services. From securing on-prem web apps to migrating away from outdated identity providers or consolidating them, Strata helps you keep your complex access policies as you modernize your identity infrastructure and get rid of technical debt. Join leading organizations like 3M, Dallas County, and CIBC in securing your apps with Strata. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity security priorities, and receive a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire.
Joining me once again is Dr. Charles Clancy. He's the director of the Hume Center for National Security and Technology at Virginia Tech. Uh, Dr. Clancy, welcome back. You know, the Dyn attack from last year was really a wake-up call for uh, a lot of organizations. And you wanted to talk today about uh, some of the actions that people are taking to try to keep something like that from happening again. Of course, the, uh, the, the Dyn attack, which happened in October of 2016, uh, resulted in a three-hour outage of Internet service on the East Coast of the United States and was the largest distributed denial of service attack ever uh, witnessed on the Internet and interestingly leveraged a lot of consumer electronic devices as part of that attack. This, as you mentioned, was a wake-up call to much of the industry that is now getting serious, or at least uh, seeking to get serious, about IoT security. Um, and the, the challenge we have with IoT is that the, uh, the business model really doesn't lend itself towards uh, security. The goal is to mass manufacture uh, inexpensive electronic devices uh, for consumer markets uh, that happen to have an internet connection in them. Really, security is not a driving factor in the manufacture of these devices. So uh, if, if I go online and, and purchase uh, some uh, uh, consumer electronic device from uh, a manufacturer in China, for example, what motivation do they have to implement appropriate cybersecurity protections in that product? Uh, right now, they really have none. Um, and this has led to uh, a range of, of things to include uh, the, the Dyn outage that we saw last, last October. So if you look at how you would try and address this, one of the proposals on the table is to create the underwriter's laboratory equivalent uh, for cybersecurity. And this has been talked about on and off over the years. Uh, can we have this notion of a cybersecurity UL where, um, uh, just as an example right now, if, if you go to the store and buy a toaster, uh, it's likely going to be tested by UL and make sure that when you plug it in, it doesn't catch on fire. Mm -hmm. The challenge is how do we achieve something similar in the IoT space to ensure that if you plug that new internet-connected toaster in, uh, it's going to have the appropriate cybersecurity safeguards to prevent it from getting hacked. So if you look at the approaches that are being considered, um, one is this notion that we need managed ecosystems. Uh, standalone IoT devices that are not managed uh, and have no way of receiving firmware upgrades or software updates uh, or the ability to have a uh, strong enrollment process, i.e. they just have default passwords on them. Um, these are all major challenges for the long-term security of the Internet. So there's this drive, I think, towards trying to ensure that every IoT device um, is connected up to some cloud service that is responsible for provisioning it and managing it, ensuring its long-term security. But there's a lot of, of unanswered questions about how that would work in practice. So, for example, uh, what if the vendor of that IoT device goes out of business and they shut down their cloud service? Uh, does that mean that the IoT device stops functioning? Um, who's responsible for continued software updates? Uh, and if the company goes out of business, the, the source code from which you could even uh, build the patches uh, is now uh, no longer available. So currently, some of the research that we're doing is looking at how you could begin to establish some sort of functional testing program uh, that would provide this certification and accreditation of, of these devices, that they at least meet some basic uh, uh, cybersecurity fundamental principles like not having default passwords and preferably having pa uh, mechanisms to do software update, although as I mentioned, that's uh, a non-trivial thing to accomplish in practice. All right, Dr. Charles Clancy, thanks for joining us. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.
Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Enter Vanta. Vanta gives you one place to centralize and scale your security program, quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for ISO 27001, SOC 2, and more. You can leverage Vanta's market-leading trust management platform to unify risk management and secure the trust of your customers. Plus, use Vanta AI to save time when completing security questionnaires. CyberWire daily listeners can get $1,000 off by going to vanta.com cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash cyber. <laughs> 